0: Yeah, we went out and hired someone. And there was another point there that I've totally forgotten.
1: (laughs) Hey, podcast listener. Even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, Check out tropicalmba.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's the Tropical NBA podcast. It's tropical in this room. If you could only see the look on Boss Man's face when I made him turn off the AC. I mean,
2: he's angry. The only reason I did it was because <laughs> of the production value. I mean, other than that, it's going to take a day and a half for the AC to catch back up to what you've done this to us week, right now. We are at
1: tropicalmba.com slash portable bar. We've got our good friend Taylor Pearson on the show. Can we get the applause effect and just say hello to the audience, Taylor. You've been behind this podcast. You've actually edited it. Taylor's um, done everything. You've given us a lot of the stories
0: that we presented on this
1: show, and here you are.
0: I'm, I'm trying to feed the content machine. There's a lot, there's a lot coming out. It's got to get fed. This week, you've got a product, you're
1: making some sales, and now you've got to take that Long road through the dip. We started
2: working with Taylor, what, two years ago?
0: Yep, last October, two La- years ago.
2: Two years ago, oh, man. Get a going. long time. I remember the first time I talked to Taylor, on my way to like a motorcycle race and we were all on a phone call, Taylor was like, can you all just send me something to, you know, let my parents know that this opportunity is legit? because <laughs> My my mom was freaking
0: out. She was like, these guys are gonna take you to Thailand and there's gonna be lady boys and it's all gonna go badly.
2: <laughs> and that's
1: exactly how it went down. <laughs> so when we first met you, we had this new business called the Portable Bar Company, and it was a baby company. We put you in charge of it, which was, you know, probably something that we don't advise against. Hire somebody smart, put them in charge of something. We're gonna talk about how that process brought us to mid five-figure months at our current, so a healthy business on our hands. We're gonna talk about what it's like to evolve from a small business that's just keeping the lights on to a real significant source of wealth for the founders. So if you stick around for this episode, we're gonna talk about the old school tactics we used, how we grew 527%. It's not a typo in 18 months. Of course we didn't start with very much, but I mean it's details. Don't worry about the details. (laughs) I think it's cool to see like how a lot of the advice on this show really kind of filters down into the businesses that we're actually running on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes it matches up, sometimes it doesn't. We're going to kind of take a look at that and look at the history of the cold call in our business.
2: Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Get on the blower. Actually, we looked this up today. You said at lunch, you said, "Uh, I got to get on the blower. So we had to get on the Wikipedia page and figure out what that is. Turns out there was these things called speak tubes back in the day. Did you hear about that before the telephone? Yeah. So you'd get on the blower and get your boss on You'd give people blows
1: instead of giving them calls.
2: (laughs) 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 A couple quick news items. Yeah, we're in Austin. We just wrapped up our DC event here in Austin. Taylor, how'd it go? You were there. Your review, sir?
0: My review, quality of the people was fantastic. Lunch buffet was also fantastic. Shout out to
1: Alex <laughs> McQuaid and the staff at the W for being wonderful hosts.
0: But yeah, it went really smooth. I think there will be a lot of demand for more US-based events.
1: Speaking of events, DCBKK is in 42 days. I've got that... Countdown in the DC just inspiring incredible amounts of stress. I think for the right reasons. I'm excited. We've got over 200 people coming to Bangkok. It's going to be nuts.
2: We've just worked eight hours today on the event. Yeah. Now we're trying eight to record hours. this podcast. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: My goodness.
0: Heaven forbid we <laughs> haven't work. even started preaching. We're already <laughs> eight hours in. <laughs> <done. laughs>
1: All right, guys, let's just jump right into it. We've got tons to talk about this week. Today, we're going to share five insights that we had about this marketing process. And if you want to follow along, I really recommend that you go to tropicalmba.com slash portable bar. The whole thing that we're going to talk about is based on an epic value bomb post that Taylor created at his blog, which is one of my favorites. In this episode, we'll talk about the insights that you had. But a lot of them were fueled by these tactics that you deployed. You list them on that post. So you know, if if you see, feel like you got to get on some of this stuff, if you're out there in the audience, definitely go check out Taylor's.
2: Yeah, it's basically a roadmap. Point A to point B, how to execute on these kinds of ideas. Yeah. So
1: speaking of executing on ideas, boss, man, this one was yours. How did you get us into this portablebarcompany.com thing?
2: What a mess I got us into. I'll tell you what. Because you were like hot potato pretty soon. You were like, I (laughs) But that's the interesting part about it, I think, for us. I mean, Taylor's got a bunch of interesting insights here. The one that I'll share is You know, we started the Portable Bar Company, I think it was about two and a half years ago. So, you know, Taylor came in about six months in. And that is the interesting part about this, Dan, is like I hot potatoed it, right? So we had gone and built the valet Spot. We had gone and built Modern Cat Designs. Basically, by ourselves and with our limited team, this was the first time we were bringing someone outside of our team that hadn't seen how our business had grown from the beginning and kind of handed off this business. So Taylor came in, I said... This guy is way smarter than me. It's true. This guy is going to make me a lot of money. Better looking. Better looking than me. Yeah. I'm going to stick him on our biggest opportunity, which yep. is the Portable Bar Company. Also, I was looking for things to keep him interested in because I knew <laughs> he was going to leave sooner than later if I didn't give him the biggest thing that we were working on. <laughs> so we gave him the Portable Bar Company, and these are some of the things that he did to take this company, basically grow it by over 500% in 18 months. All right, so we
1: always are talking smack on this show about making the cold call, doing out, doing the cold call. But of course, that's something that we delegate nowadays because it's terrifying to make cold calls. We know it. In fact, it's like a entrepreneurial badge of honor. It's like, oh, I made five cold calls today, you know, kind of thing. And this was the first insight that you brought to us. You said, get on the phone.
0: Yeah, no one likes talking about the cold calls when they're making them. It's always more fun to talk about them when someone else is making them. Right. <laughs> the foundation for this business in a lot of ways came six months in. I think we spent a lot of the first six months or I spent a lot of the first six months churning on these internet marketing tactics and stuff that didn't really get any traction. And one of the first big leverage points we had was we put in a process where we called, we had been doing this, but following up with every single customer that ordered and pushing everyone to the phone. So not pushing people to the buy now button, at one point, we even took the button off the site because we wanted to get on the phone with people. So that was really the foundation and the customer insight that we were able to build some of the infrastructure on top of when we started to scale things up.
2: Yeah, when these businesses are young, basically what you're saying is it's better to get people on the phone and get their feedback than it is to make another sale.
0: Yeah, and we intentionally took the buy now button off the site for three months because we wanted more people to call.
2: Right. You got to get product feedback. You got to get insight into the market. You got to get all these kinds of things that you can. To get from a buy now button.
1: And what I love is uh, a lot of people in our community are putting lead player on their YouTube videos, which I think is a great tactic, but you found an even better one.
0: Yeah, so about six or eight months in, we put those little kind of spammy looking annotations that all the fitness guys use on their YouTube videos. At the end of the video, it pops up, it's just a product video and says, call us, 888 phone number. And the calls tripled in two weeks. People would come on, they'd watch the video, like, oh, that's kind of cool, and then boom, phone number, and everyone dialed in.
1: Before we jump on to your second insight, after this, you went on to the Valet Up product, and you became the cold caller yourself, and quite an animalistic one at that. What have you learned about this process of getting your entrepreneurial chops by just jumping on the phone, like, ruthlessly, time and time again with customers?
0: Honestly, I think a lot of the value in cold calling is psychological and emotional like it's really good at helping you deal with rejection right because even the best cold caller in the world is going to do like three percent tops so it's just like people hang up and that's fine you just pick up the next one the value in someone that will stay on the phone with you for 45 minutes and they'll talk about your product and they'll talk about the industry and they'll talk about the business is so dense that four hours of hangups is totally worth it especially in the early stages
2: i want to say two things about that first thing is god bless b2b Because (laughs) people actually want to talk about the products, right? Because they talk about the products, then we go make the product that they want, and then they go buy the product, and it improves their business. You don't get this kind of interaction with B2C very often, right? The other thing that I want to point out is at some point, you made a transition from Asia to the United States so you could cold call more. Is that right? There are ways to hack this, of course. If you're like Jesse Lawler and you stay up all night, it's like no <laughs> yeah. problem at
0: all, right? I tried, I tried the 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. shift in Asia, and that went about two weeks, and I got really cranky, so... But you don't have to do this
2: forever, right? I mean, we're in development mode. We're in discovery mode. You know, it's a good 12 months. Yeah, let's get on the phone. And then all of a sudden, you have this customer base. And then you can start to interact with them through email and all these other ways. And you don't have to cold call. I know what all
1: the listeners are thinking. They want to come to the United States and cold call with you guys. So the numbers (laughs) on the site, call these guys, come hang out with them. We can sit in the boiler room all day long.
0: So the other kind of insight we had in terms of how we're able to leverage the phone calls into something more automated is we took sales scripts or sales conversations from when people actually bought and we effectively turned those into autoresponders. When you're on the phone with them, what are the moments they have where they go, oh, yeah, that's cool. Or, oh, yeah, that makes me really interested in the product. You know, what feature is it? What benefit is it? What is the analogy you use to explain it to them?
1: And you actually had the transcript of the calls.
2: You were legally or illegally? I, I don't know if you're letting these people know. It doesn't really matter. But you were recording. <laughs> <laughs> details, details. Details. <laughs> details, doesn't matter. The The important part was you would record every single one of your phone calls, right? Yeah,
0: we had everything recorded.
2: Another side of this was that me, as a manager, I got to listen to these phone calls. So then Taylor and I Everybody's got to get to. Happy. Together and I get to scrutinize the way his voice sounds over the phone. So you got to be judgmental. Yeah. And everybody wins. (laughs) Nixon was
1: on to something. (laughs) All right, point number two: transparency
0: marketing worked when everyone in the marketplace wouldn't do it. So I think this is one of the leverage points we had in all the industries, not just the portable bar company, but also in the valet spot, which is we were able to utilize technology to create transparency that other players in the industry couldn't. And we we're also willing to do it. So putting prices on the websites, if you go look around for portable bar manufacturers now, still the only one that will publicly list pricing. Everyone else is just like, call for a quote game. You gotta call in, I'll put you together a special quote and they're gonna like hustle you up on the phone. People got tired of that. And I think it was really refreshing when people would come and they just knew. And even people that didn't buy on that first interaction, that level of trust was established.
2: Right, right. And this is a very old school industry. So our thinking was, hey, okay, let's just see how many people are buying portable bars online. And lo and behold, people actually buy portable bars online. You wouldn't think that because the price point's very high. It's over $500. But yeah, some of these buyers, they don't have time. They just want to go directly to the source. Yeah. we and are and the it's not their money online. sometimes too. So exactly. Spending the boss's money. It's like
1: I always feel when I take Ian's credit card out. You know?
0: Well, like, they research online, they buy on the phone. Right. I mean, right. so we do have people now. It's really only in the last six or 12 months. I remember when the first person bought online, It was like, holy crap, someone put in their credit card and <laughs> spent $3,000 online.
1: Well, this is a great point, too. Even when I think back to D.C., that business was built in person and on the phone and on Skype as well. And so even when you think about like this quintessential internet marketing business, you can often trace the roots back to like that in person, making it happen. I just think it's there's something to do with the density
2: of it. Maybe the most important part there was not the buy now button, but actually the price, right? So it like broke down the transparency wall.
0: So the price was one in terms of establishing trust. The other element of transparency was the level of detail that went into the site and the design. So tons of super high quality product photos all over the site. Tons of product videos, 360 shots walking around. We had the head sales guy on the phone also in the product videos. So you watch the product video, you call it up, you got congruency, right? The same guy's answering the phone. He's just walked you through the product. You just watched it. And that's how the showroom experience happens, right? You walk into the showroom, you walk around, you touch the product, you see it from all the other angles, you're talking to the sales guy. So we're recreating that online using stuff like YouTube videos and pushing people to the phone. So insight number three, getting ruthless
1: about systems... Another theme on this show and focusing on marketing stamina. We haven't talked so much about marketing stamina. In fact, this, I think something that a unique issue that you've touched on in this post, like just how terribly boring some of this stuff is and and how you can deal with that as an entrepreneur, because you don't get to five figures a month by, you know, doing the fun stuff. You got to work, right?
0: Yeah, I think it was kind of a realization someone in another forum posted uh, about some troubles they were having. I went in and wrote this reply and one of the things I kept coming back to was marketing stamina. Like a lot of the things we did that were successful weren't particularly sexy or fun. Like when your product listing ads feed break every week, you got to go fix them. And the newsletter has to go out every month. You got to think of something to write, You got to go into campaign monitor or constant contact, and drag through all the format and set it up and send it out, because it has ROI, and we could quantify the ROI through analytics, through the phone tracking we were doing. And that stuff wasn't sexy, but we knew it had to get done, and we knew it made money.
2: Yeah, we had a fire under our ass. I think it was to the tune of $50,000 in inventory in the warehouse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That always gets you going.
1: Well, you said here that the newsletter SOP was five pages long. Can you maybe walk us through the mindset of how one... Because eventually you weren't writing the newsletter anymore. So can you talk about... How you go from zero to hero on a five-page SOP for something as simple as a newsletter?
0: Yeah, so first step, obviously, is get started. Once you realize something's profitable, or once we knew the newsletter's problems, like this has to get sent out every month. So at that point, you're optimizing and trying to minimize the resources you're putting into that, mainly in terms of time, because no one likes putting together the newsletter every month, right? But you know it's got to get done. So if you can create, and what we did create was super defined, step-by-step, granular process. On the first meeting of the week, come up with three content ideas, draft the copy. We had a template for what the copy was drafted in, so it would copy and paste into Campaign Monitor. And that way, it's just a bang it out thing, right? You go in and you do the creative stuff in the morning, whatever it is, and then the afternoon you sit down and you bang out the newsletter, because you know it's got ROI. So Taylor, how did you get people on this newsletter? I was actually really amazed when this happened the first time, but uh, in B2B, people will give you their email address just to get your product line, In brochure form. This is the technique I was doing
2: five years ago. It worked like a charm. And this is the reason why it works, because these guys are still tangible. They'll go to the color printer in their office. They'll print the thing out. They'll staple it, and they'll pass it out to everybody. Also, because it's not vaporware. Like We're in the internet marketing space, and we're very jaded about this. It's like, I know
1: that person's trying to get me to opt in. In the B2B space, they don't know what opt in is. It's like, give me your email address so I can send you the catalog. And I want to see your catalog because I want your products. They don't know right. that they're entering into a world full of Taylor newsletter pain, you know? Right. <laughs> I remember
0: getting off the phone with a guy and he literally, he said he would pulled the catalog, which he'd printed out on his color printer out of the bottom drawer in his desk to put it on his desk and call us. Wasn't looking at the website. He opted in months ago. Printed out the catalog, and that was how yeah. He was and he'd like in. circled the products, yeah.
2: given it to the boss man for approval. Made notes know, all in stuff. the like business meeting the week. And you before. know what? Sometimes I like that too. It's like just
1: less BS. Like I don't need like five tips on X, Y, and Z in my niche. Right. Like sometimes I just want to look at the product all in one place. That's a real value if you're on the page in the first place. Well,
0: we did that too. Every page that wasn't selling something, we didn't have enough skews to do a category page, but. Product pages didn't have an email opt-in. Every single other page on the website was pushing people to leave their email if they didn't call us. So first call us. If you can't call us, fine, we'll take your email.
1: So you were a huge believer in process, which we are. If it makes you money, you shouldn't be doing it. This was the next insight that you had the importance of a team, both in-house and contractors. I'm curious as to your experience about this.
0: Yeah, so one of the turning points we had was after we hired Derek, who is now the one running the the marketing for the portable bar company. A couple months after he came on, we saw a real turning point because there was a lot more leverage and oxygen in the business. And it was a way for him to step up into all these new processes and refine them and build them out and make them even more detailed. So I think when I finished the newsletter, maybe it was two pages and now it's grown to five. And the other element of team, I guess, that we talked about was the camaraderie aspect. And I think this is something we all kind of talked about internally was some things got done because you just didn't want to let someone down. Kinda like the foxhole thing, like no one's fighting a war because they really care about this grand vision of the war, right? They're fighting a war because Joe's in the foxhole next to him it's like, you're not letting Joe down. Some of this goes back to
2: marketing stamina too, right? It's like a lot easier to have stamina, like if you're in the race with everybody around you, right? You're like passing around ideas, you're passing around newsletters, it's easier to stay in the game.
0: You just get the feedback and the support.
2: Yeah, when we started this business too, it was like really exciting because, you know, not a lot was going on, we didn't understand the markets, we didn't understand the products that we were developing. Every day you're getting so much new information and it's so actionable that you want to like turn around and make new products, turn around and make a tweak. You know it's like almost like when these businesses get bigger, it gets a little bit more boring like every day every piece of information we got, we could almost act on it. You made the case to hire
1: Derek, right? I think that was your decision. You were basically like, "Hey, you guys are pulling me in a million different directions." We've determined these repeatable things. You need someone as an engine behind those things, and that's part of the power process too. I mean, you came to us and you were like, here's the newsletter. I don't know which process you presented, but you definitely presented a few of them and said, hey, like this pays for itself. That that to me really makes sense. It's like, I don't know the right metaphor, but we talk about like you're the snake and you got to shed your skin once it's clear and then put somebody else into that role. And you did that really effectively, you know, went out there, found the value center and said, hey, even if the profitability goes down overall, it makes sense to put someone on these because they're repeatable. And what I did is not so repeatable. Right. And that's why I'm unique and I shouldn't be in that repeatable role right now.
0: So I guess a couple things. One, I do remember we sat down with the spreadsheet and like actually listed it out. So like the newsletter, certain administrative tasks like fixing product listing ads. And we quantified what each of those was worth, how many hours it was going to take. And once we got to 40 hours and a certain dollar amount where it made sense to hire someone, yeah, we went out and hired someone.
1: Finally, the fifth insight that you had was, and this is a Taylor term, a TT. I don't know what we're going to call it, but <laughs> I definitely get a lot of insights from Taylor. You said that you were focused on geometric I guess you're stealing that from Jay Abraham. I did steal that from Jay Abraham. Okay, so, but this is also an opportunity for us to give a bit of a laundry list of some of the tactics that you mentioned, but let us know what geometric growth is.
0: Yeah, so we were always thinking not just pushing one element forward, but how can we push all the elements forward of the business in a way that they create kind of systematic geometric growth. So to make that a little more tangible, if you can increase your traffic and you can increase your conversions and you can increase the people on your email list, and you can add new products, all that creates synergy, right? Because you're mailing your bigger email list that's higher converting about your new product line. So you get an ROI from all of those. And when you add all those together, that's where you see that geometric growth. I'm
1: feeling pain just listening to you. <laughs> In some ways, like it's not the advice that a lot of marketing shows give, right? It's like, hey, just focus on what you're really great at. If you're an email marketing company, just double down on that. In some ways, I guess like that's not the way we've grown these businesses. I mean, the lesson of this episode for me is like grind.
2: Yeah, grind. And I think part of it too was like, we really didn't know anything about this market, right? So it's like, you're trying to push, you know, these different things forward because you want to see which one's going to catch. If you spend all your time, and we had plenty of conversations about this, like, hey, Taylor, if you spend all your time working on this one channel it doesn't bust, we're going to be in trouble, right? Because then we're not in a better position than we were before, and we've just paid 12 months' salary, right. and we got all this inventory here. So the idea is, like, push as many things forward as you possibly can without you know, losing traction on any of them.
1: It's interesting. You know, we are talking about how this episode is in some ways about traversing the dip. The dip that Seth Godin says, like, when we first put the portable bars up, we sold some. And, and Ian and I were like, oh my gosh, people buy these things. And then it was like, oh my gosh, we've got to make this a business now. And we don't know anything
2: about these products. We don't know anything about these customers. Yeah, and the
1: story of Taylor being a part of the team is really a story of us going through the dip. And you hear a lot of experienced marketers say things like, focus. And really that's kind of like a mid to late stage mindset. When I look back at my start, I did have a bunch of irons in the fire. You know, I did have a bunch of little experiments running because I just didn't know. Of course, the experienced marketer is in a situation where everybody is asking them to do things and all these companies are saying, Why don't you pilot my product and why don't you don't you think you should have YouTube videos too? kind of thing. That's the time when you focus in other words. Maybe there is, you know, some wisdom to, hey, you gotta really try out all these different channels to see what's gonna happen.
2: Sure, you look at our other companies, you know, when you were working at the valet spot tailors, like we were on a daily basis, we were saying no to things, right? It was- like, okay, we're going to focus on the one thing that makes us money and that's serving these customers with these unique problems and products. You know, like at some point in the last 12 months, we stopped doing custom projects. Like we just stopped taking those phone calls because yeah. it was a distraction. It wasn't focused.
1: It's tough to do that. And I think that that's why that advice goes out a lot because when you do make that focus call late in the game, you're saying no to some money.
0: Right. Neil Strauss has a great quote about this. He says, you get successful by saying yes to things and you stay successful by saying no to things, so. Summed it up, buddy. We spent maybe three months messing around with LinkedIn yeah like wasn't really a game changer but we learned stuff from that and it turned us onto channels that were more profitable you, like the youtube thing for example
2: and, and now you still get the freaking emails from linkedin because you signed up you got your email on there it's like yeah. john's waiting
0: for your you oh. the event supplies group really wants to talk to me okay so
2: let's <laughs> talk about some of these
1: spaghettis that you threw against the walls then so you know one of the things is that you went to trade shows that turned out to be a big thing for us
0: Yeah, the biggest game changer with the trade shows was kind of comes back to getting on the phone. The only thing better than the phone is a plane ticket and getting in person and face to face. I think the revenue tracked very closely with our understanding of the target market and who we were doing business with. And as that got deeper, you saw that number start to go up. That's right.
2: Last year we went to one trade show, we made zero dollars. Went to another trade show, we made like $35,000. That was the learning process and trying to figure out who our customer is, right?
0: But yeah, a lot of the geometric growth points we saw were really boring, obvious things that anyone's been in e-commerce for six months probably knows that they just got to get done. So product listing ads in Google, you got to keep them update. They break all the time. You got to fix them. Perfect audience retargeting was really profitable for us. Long tail blog posts. So mobile bars for sale, portable (laughs) banquet bars. Portable bars for hotels, portable bars for <laughs> rental companies. There's a blog post on each of those I could, and like, they still bring feel traffic. I could like
1: the intro sentence. You know, a lot of people are often wondering where they can find their portable bars for sale. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we and, would sit around like all day and rack our brains for different, what do people call these, right? We'd like yeah. search on the internet. It's like, What's another word for banquet bar? Mobile bar, portable bar? I mean, it's just got to be long, right? You said that the percentage of buyers
1: on our marketing list was high. That actually was surprising to me.
0: Yeah, so we went through a couple months where someone would buy and we'd go cross-reference their email list to people on our email list, and it was higher than we expected.
2: Another thing I want to mention about trade shows, and this was a valuable thing for us. We'd never done this before, but we created a crap ton of content at these trade shows. What was the plan for that? So the trade shows- And you can see this at the blog post, right?
0: Yes, I go through an autoresponder series. We built off the back of the trade show. So I was talking earlier about building autoresponders based on sales calls. We did the same thing with trade shows. So we had really three goals when we went to the trade show. One was obviously sales, which one of those we were successful in, and one trade show we weren't so successful. But at all of them, we got a ton of leads. So all these trade shows now have like badge scanning apps. So you get your right. iPhone, you scan the badge, and I think we got like a 1,000 leads between the two trade shows or 800 to 1,000 leads. And then, yeah, we got a ton of content, tons of video, in-person video, like social proof, all these people looking at your products, talking about your products, different angles, people interacting with it, like really recreating that showroom experience online and then packaging that up into email packaging that up into blog post and repurposing it
2: yeah so you guys hired a guy to come out on the first day i think it was right and take videos of you standing next to the products doing product demos customers walking up telling us what they liked about the product i mean the stuff is gold like some companies it takes them 10 years to build that kind of asset you did it in a weekend
0: probably took us three months to repackage and syndicate all the content out that we created in three days of the trade show
1: you can totally rip all this stuff off. What Taylor created here for the Portable Bar Company, it's at taylorpearson.me. You can check out all the show notes at tropicalmba.com slash portablebar. We'll all be linked up. Taylor's got a shingle out if you're into consulting.
2: Yeah, we got a new niche. And like looking at Taylor here, and he's like shaking his head. He's like, not interested, man. Moved on to bigger and better things. He's like, I left it all there for you. Good luck. So what are you doing now, Taylor?
0: Yeah, good question. I didn't know I had to figure it out on the podcast while I was talking to
2: you. (laughs) Well, here's the deal. Taylor grew the portable bar company over 500%. He's got a blog post that tells you how to do it. Email him, maybe he's interested in talking with you. You should definitely
1: talk to Taylor. If it's not about business, it could be about anything. He's an interesting dude. All right, let's get moving on to the wrap and review section boss man what do you got for us this week
2: all right this is a new rapper new to me actually introduced <laughs> through action bronson who we both have a love for yeah anybody who raps about food it's just i love it it's you know? great
1: i want to hear about spaghetti and pesto sauce while i'm rolling down the road I'm doing a little bit of rolling here in the united states doing you know?
2: a little bit of rolling i don't know about this guy's whole catalog but he does have a couple hits this is currency <laughs> Frankly G from the United States, I'm not sure why it's taken me two years to write this review, me either, frankly. I binged on their episodes my senior year in college two years ago and knew they were great from the start. A mixture of inspirational and informative information. It was nice to have constant input of location-independent entrepreneurship from two real guys. They have been a constant source of motivation in chasing down this unusual lifestyle of working from one's computer. Fast forward two years, starting their podcast, I'm two months into living in Rio de Janeiro,
1: an apprenticeship
0: that's changed my life.
2: Thanks,
1: guys. You used to live in Rio, right?
0: Yeah, I was in Rio for a couple months.
1: I think you were on Rio when we were having a job
0: interview together. I was. I didn't get that job.
1: That's gangster, yeah. I sent out an email last week about our email list. You can check it out at tropicalmba.com slash subscribe. If you're a super fan, we write a legitimate newsletter. Legit. Legit. <laughs> like Taylor reads them. Let the beat build. It's legit. It's it's a real newsletter. It's not like, look at our crap. I mean, we actually go out and consume content across a broad range of coffees in the morning. And then I link to him in his freaking email. That's how it works. I actually wrote for feedback. And I got 7,000 words of feedback from the Tropical NBA podcast audience. I appreciate it. I read every email. I responded to everybody. It was awesome. I love the newsletter. We're doubling down on it. People said, I always open these emails. They're often inspiring. The links are super interesting. I think the value to time ratio is excellent. I would certainly miss them if they would stop coming. My good buddy Jeff said, hey man, your weekly emails are the best I get. And it's not just because I know you. Not just because I know you. Honestly, some of these other sites, I get emails sent them out way too much, too long or too often. And that email I get from that one internet marketer guy is always freaking trying to sell me something. Thanks for the good stuff and keep up the good work. And thank you, Jeffrey, for even though that you know me listening to this podcast. The yes, worst
2: part about the email is that you can't find the opt-in box on the website. <laughs> Got to do something about that.
1: You can find your face, though. There's a pop-up for that.
2: There's a pop-up for that. (laughs) This one's at tropicalmba.com
1: slash portable bar. Big thanks to Taylor Pearson from taylorpearson.me for putting up with us for close to two years now. And a big thanks to Bossman for putting up with us for 20
2: minutes without the air conditioning. Hey, you need a guy that can make you money. Taylor's your guy. (laughs) Taylor's your guy.
0: I am doing a bit of sweating in here. Let's let's (laughs) cut the AC taylorpearson.me, everybody. We'll be back next